The reading is from John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Great. Thank you so much. Well, hello. I'm uh, Glenn, if we haven't met before. I'm uh, Ruby and JJ's dad. I'm... Emma's husband, and uh, I've been here quite a few times now. I love coming up to Christchurch Banstead. I usually live in Eastbourne, and uh, my job is really to go around and talk about Jesus. And uh, I love to do that with God's Word open to show you who Jesus is, because I think he is the great liberator. I think he is the answer to our heart's cry for freedom. And uh, so I'd just like to say a short prayer now that I would be clear that we would hear from God's word about who Jesus is and what he can do in each of our lives and that we might experience real liberation this morning. Can we pray that that might happen? Let's pray. Father, we want to know you, the very best Father, and we want to know the liberation that your Son brings to be children in your family. So show us Jesus again, so that in his face we might see who you are truly like, and in his face we may see what we are truly like. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what do you think of when you think of freedom? If you were to do a Google search for freedom and look at the images that show up, What you tend to find are pictures of people on top of mountaintops and looking out to the far horizon with a sort of quasi-heroic look in their eyes. Maybe the sun is rising or the sun is setting. But what you'll notice about all the various images of freedom is that the people in the images are alone. They're all by themselves. Whether they're in an open-top car with the breeze in their hair or on top of a mountain... They are alone. And I think that's very interesting about our modern understanding of freedom. So often we think that freedom is me being able to do whatever I want. And the end result of living that kind of life is that you end up all by yourself, surrounded with all your kinds of comforts. And you might be independent, you might be free from one perspective, but you're all alone. So we just saw that video, Best Dad. And what do you have? You you have a dad who has the world at his fingertips. He's surrounded by all the stuff that he likes on his screen. But him ordering his life around himself 
and around his own desires, does that liberate him or does it enslave him? He sinks down into the sofa and he discovers his granddad, and, well, his own dad, and his dad has been there for 30 years. He, he was uh, captured by a screen of his own, the TV. And we might think that being free to watch whatever you want, to do whatever you want, to go wherever you want, that that is a definition of freedom. Actually, have you ever noticed how being free and being lost can be quite similar? Setting out for freedom, you can actually end up losing yourself. I remember at uh, university, my first day at uni, and I thought, I'm leaving home. This is the definition of getting free, right? And uh, my mother, she said her, her final words to me as we unpacked the last box and she was about to head back to the car for the last time, she gave me a hug to see her boy off to university. And with a tear in her eye, she said, Glenn, just fly, Glenn, just fly. (laughs) And because sarcasm is my love language, I said, yes, but only because you're the wind beneath my wings, mother, which which was a terrible thing to say. And I've I've been regretting it for 20 years since then. But (laughs) we kind of understand what my mum meant by that, right? She, She meant that when you fly the nest... Suddenly you're free and you can be the person you're meant to be. And sort of freshers week is the first week of university. And uh, these days now as a speaker, I often go to university freshers weeks and I see a whole bunch of sort of 18, 19 year old versions of myself trying to get free. And you've never seen such lost people in all your lives, right? I mean, physically, you're lost, aren't you? You know, in that first week of university, you know, you don't know where the lecture halls are, you don't know where the library is. To be honest, after three years, I was none the wiser on either of those things. But you don't know where things are physically, but, but also you, you don't know where you fit in. As Sylvia was saying, there's such a pressure to achieve, to be a certain kind of person, and you don't know which mask, which persona to wear. It's... it's a real slavery, actually. A whole bunch of people trying to get free, ending up lost. And you know, the wisdom at that stage is generally, if you feel lost, what you need to do is to find yourself. Have you heard that wisdom before? That's what we try to do, isn't it? You know, when you leave home, when you start the new business, start the new career, start the new family, go on holiday, whatever it is, you feel like you need to find yourself. But have you ever thought about what a nuts idea that is? Because if you're lost and you find yourself, that means you've just found a lost person. And has finding a lost person ever been much use to you when you're lost? Right? (laughs) Have you ever been in a new situation? You're like, oh, where's the library? They're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm lost too. Well, that's not much help, is it? If you're lost... And you find yourself, you're just going to find that you're lost, which is no great find, is it? If you're lost, what do you need to find? You need to find home. And when you're home, you can just be yourself. The pressure's off at that stage, isn't it? Nothing to prove, nothing to hide, nothing to lose. You're just you. Here, in John chapter 8, we are meeting the freest man who ever lived. According to the Bible, he is the one who has come from home 
to find you. And that's how you get free. Don't find yourself, you're lost. There's one who has come from the ultimate home. He's come into our lost situation. And he can bring us into his family love. And then when you find home, wow, you're home. Home free, right? Let's have a look in John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible at home, uh, we'd love to give you one of these. We've got some copies of John's Gospel at the back. We'd love you to keep on reading in John's Gospel. It's a great way of being introduced to the basics of the Christian faith. Perhaps we can have up on the screen behind us. Is that possible? Can we have on the screen behind us uh, the first couple of verses? Of John chapter 8. Here is one of the most famous biographies ever written. This is perhaps the most read piece of literature in human history. This biography of Jesus, written by one of Jesus' closest friends called John. And in the middle of the gospel, Jesus is surrounded by a whole bunch of Jewish authorities. And verse 31, little number 31, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's a famous famous phrase, isn't it? Have you come across that phrase before? The truth will set you free. It's the sort of thing that grandma sort of cross-stitches onto a wall hanging, and it sounds really lovely, doesn't it? The truth will set you free. I'm here to tell you this is dynamite. Because what is Jesus assuming as he tells people the truth will set you free? You know what he's assuming? He's assuming that we are liars and slaves. Okay, He's assuming that we don't currently live according to the truth, and we are not currently free. That's a shock, isn't it? We are, according to Jesus, self-deceived and addicted. Is that a shock? Sounds lovely, doesn't it? You all know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, think about the assumptions. Jesus is saying, you don't currently have the truth, and you are not currently free. Free. What does he mean by that? Well, think about the way you and I live our lives every day. You and I live our lives with, well, I live my life with me at the center, right? And I need all of you to orbit around me, the light of the world, the sun, right? And you are little planets, and some of you are, some of you are very important planets in my life, and some of you are like Pluto, and I can't even decide whether you're a planet or not, and you're, you're out on the, on the fringes of my life, but I am at the very center, and I need you to play along with my story of myself, okay? You get a, you get a tiny little snapshot of this on the road, don't you? Whenever you're on the road, everyone who drives slower than you is an idiot, And everyone who drives faster than you is a maniac, right? But you drive just right, don't you? You're the center of all things. And you need everybody else to play along with the story that you tell of yourself, okay? There was another brilliant uh, example of this that I experienced a few years ago. We we made another film a few years ago, and we wanted to have a a time-lapse of Sunrise in Eastbourne. So Eastbourne's where I live on the south coast. And stupidly, I decided to get this sunrise. It was in May. And so, you know, sunrise was about 5, 10 in the morning. And for about an hour before sunrise, it's still quite light. So, you, so I, I was up before 4, go to the beach. And for some reason, the timer on my camera wasn't working. And so I had to manually press click, you know, every 30 seconds to get a shot. And then another shot. And then another shot. And it was 410, 420, 430, 440, you know. And, and at this point, the sun had not yet risen. 
I was waiting for it to rise. I was waiting for this wonderful time lapse of, of the sun rising over the ocean. And right around sunrise, I noticed this golden ball emerging from the sea, completely out of shot. Right? <laughs> and my first thought was, this has ruined the day. And in my head, I swear, for the first two and a half seconds, as the sun rose out of shot, my thought was, that's probably not the sun. It can't be the sun. I know where the sun's going to be. I've set things up. I'm a very intelligent man. I went to Google Maps. I thought I'd figured this out perfectly. That cannot be the sun. For at least two and a half seconds, I was coming up with all sorts of alternative explanations for what this golden ball might be emerging from. Is it a ship? Is it a nuclear event? What's going what I What I was absolutely certain of is that it could not be the sun because I know where the sun was. I had oriented myself in this direction. My outlook was this way. And this thing was getting in my way. And what do you call that? You, you call that person self-deceived, don't you? That person is not living according to the truth. And that person is not free. What did I need to do? I needed to shift the camera and put the light of the world in the center of things. But that's the one thing we don't think to do because we always want to put ourselves at the center of our little world. And we always want everybody else to play along with our little story of things, which means we are self-deceived and we're addicts. We're liars and we're enslaved. We need the truth and the truth will set us free. But we're always resistant to the truth. The people in the next sentence, it's fantastic. In, in verse 33 on the next slide, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? It's hilarious. If, if a Roman soldier was overhearing these Jewish people speak like that, they, he, he would have at least chuckled to himself just silently, wouldn't he? You know, there he is, the Roman oppressor of these Jewish people. And they're saying, we've never been slaves of anyone. And if that Roman soldier had done any history, he would realize that they've been slaves of everyone, right? Who haven't they been slaves of? They were slaves of the Egyptians, they were slaves of the Philistines and the Moabites, they were slaves of the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the, P the, the Persians and the Medes and the Greeks and now the Romans. Who haven't they been slaves of? And yet, this is what we're like. When I say to you, you are addicted, you are self-deceived, what's your instant reaction? No, I'm not, I'm free. I do whatever I want any old time. And I wonder if the word of God is convicting you right now. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe even as you flick through your Facebook feed, your Twitter feed, even, even as you consume all the media in your screen, maybe you realize that the things you consume actually consume you. Have you noticed that? Because you say to yourself, well, I, I only do what I want to do. Ah, well, exactly. But that's what every addict says, right? I just want the next hit. It's what I want. So I'm free, right? When I, when I get the next hit, I'm free because I'm choosing to do it. No, but don't you see? You're a slave. You're addicted. And maybe your drug of choice is not heroin. Maybe your drug of choice is male attention, female attention. Maybe your drug of choice is achievement in the workplace. Maybe your drug of choice is 
earning enough money to project that image of myself out into the world. And then finally people will realize I'm somebody. Well, then, okay, but how much is enough? Are you an addict? Can you stop? All of us have various addictions. We go after what we think we want, and it ends up enslaving us. There's, a, there's an apocryphal tale told about how you can catch a monkey. Have you heard this before? Uh, apparently, you can put a jar into the forest, and you put an apple inside the jar, and the aperture of the jar is just wide enough for a monkey hand. But once the monkey puts his hand into the jar to grab the apple, he's stuck. And of course, he'd be free if only he'd let go of the apple. But the monkey never lets go of the apple. He just, he just wants what he wants, and he's going to grasp after it, and he's a slave. And Jesus says, this is what human beings are like. This is what I'm like. This is what you are like. Is there any hope for us? Well, yes, very much so. But first we need to do business with verse 34. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's what we're all like. We think we're just getting what we want, and what we want is enslaving us. Like Augustus Gloop from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You know the scene? He just wants to get the chocolate river and ends up drowning in it. This is our lives. In one sense, we're drowning in freedoms. In another sense, we're very thirsty for real connection, for real liberation. How are we going to get it? Well, Jesus goes on. Verse 35, he says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. He's setting up these two different paradigms. You can live your life either as a slave or a son, either constantly working towards some kind of wage, some kind of goal, constantly under orders, unfree, enslaved, or you can live in a family home. What's the family home he's speaking of? Well, he's about to go on to talk about himself as the son, the son of God. This is who Jesus is. He has come from an eternal family of love. He is the son of a father who has been loving him and filling him with the Holy Spirit from before the world began. This is the ultimate family. This is the family that was there before people or planets or protons. This is the family that you and I were made for. We were made to come home to a father's love. To be united to the great liberator, Jesus, to be filled by the spirit of adoption so that we can just call out, Daddy, I'm home. That's what you and I were kind of made for. But instead, by default, all of us turn our backs on that family love and we try and make it out in the world. And we try to make a name for ourselves and we try to perform we try, try to acquire, we try to achieve, we try to earn. We live like slaves, right? And how much is ever enough? Just a little more, just a little more, just a little more. What do you call that? You call it addiction. You call it enslavement. And here comes Jesus, and, and he says, there's a different way to live. You can live as a son or a daughter, in that same family, 
where the verdict from on high is your foundation. It's not the finish line. You know, when you embark on a career or something, you, you have a finish line in mind. Of, Wouldn't it be great if I climbed to the top of this ladder? Wouldn't it be amazing if I achieved this, if I performed in this way, if I got that trophy? You think, if only, if only, if only. And that's the finish line. And, of course, you're a slave to that thing. Because if it goes well, well, you're proud. And if it goes poorly, then you're disconsolate. But Jesus says there's a way of living where the verdict comes first. Where the foundation is, you know what? You're loved. You belong. You are welcome. You're at home. Jesus says, come on home to that family. How does it happen? Verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus' great work was to be a liberator. And what does he do? He does what love does. If you see your beloved addicted, what do you want to do? You you want to enter into their plight. You want to be alongside them in their battles. And you want to lift them out into freedom, don't you? And this is what Jesus has done for us. He has dived down into our plight. Here we are. Liars and slaves. Here we are, addicted to all the things that will kill us. And Jesus dives down into our spiritual stupidity. And on the cross, he takes on himself all the consequences of our spiritual stupidity. On the cross, he dies the slave's death. Did you know that? that's what the cross was in, in Roman culture? You, you didn't tend to, you, you certainly would never crucify a citizen of Rome. If you were a free-born man in Rome, there was no danger of you ever being crucified. It was the slave's death. It was known as the slave's death. It was a deterrent so that no matter how terrible your conditions were in your household, you would think, well, rebellion against my master is not worth it because crucifixion is even worse. And Jesus comes down and he dies the slave's death because that's what love does, right? Love enters in. Love says, let your pain become my pain. Let your unfreeness and slavery become my unfreeness and slavery. Let your pit become my pit. And Jesus comes all the way down to love us. You won't find any love like the love of Jesus. Every other spiritual teacher and philosophy basically says, climb, right? Every other spiritual teacher stands at the top of the ladder and says, you might want to try putting your left foot around there and then yet with your right foot, right hand grasp like this. Every other spiritual teacher and philosophy is about advice for climbers. Here is Jesus descending down to the pit for you and for me. You know, Mumford and Sons once sang, there's a love that will not betray, dismay, or enslave you, but will set you free to be more like the man you are made to be. Love that will not betray, dismay, or enslave you, but will set you free, be more like the man you are made to be. You see, we, we go for independence, and we think we'll get free. No, you just get lost. 
Christ connects himself to us in love and he draws us home so that now, now we can walk out into the world and the verdict is already ours. Greg Laganis was an uh, Olympic diver and he won all the medals going, got all the world records and Sports Illustrated once asked him, uh, Greg, you are famous for nailing a dive at the end of the competition. You, know, you have to do the perfect dive or you'll, you won't get a medal. And you, you get up to the 10-meter board and somehow, under pressure, you are the man. How do you do it? And Greg Lagana said, oh, it's simple. I just climb up to the 10-meter board, remind myself my mother loves me, and I dive. Right? And it's, just, it's that sense of here is an identity that cannot be taken away from me, even if I belly flop into the, into the pool and make a fool of myself. My mother still loves me, right? Well, if Greg Laganas can be liberated by the earthly love of a parent, how much more can we be liberated by the eternal love of God, a heavenly Father who says, you're mine for free and forever? That's the liberation that's on offer with Jesus. How does it happen? It happens through two things. The Bible always talks about these two things. It, it always says, repent and believe. Repent and believe. If you want to come in on the family home, repent and believe. Repent is a word that just means turn. Just think of me at the seafront with my camera pointed in the wrong direction. What did I need to do? I needed to turn. I needed to orient myself now, not according to my own plans, not according to my own vision for life. I need to admit, I'm an idiot, okay? I've got this wrong. I, th I thought I had everything in hand. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I turn. And I put the sun at the center. On that day, I put the S-U-N sun at the center, if you want to come home to Jesus, you can put the S-O-N, son, at the center. You turn and you reframe everything around Jesus and you say, you know, Jesus, I'm not who I say I am. I'm who you say I am. You say to Jesus, sorry, Jesus, I thought that when it comes to living the good life, when it comes to freedom, I thought you were the problem and I was the answer. Sorry. It's the natural state of the human heart, isn't it? You know. When it comes to life, you always, you always think God's the problem and you're the answer. <laughs> wrong, wrong. You're the problem. I'm the problem. Chasing after my own little desires, that only addicts me. I need to repent. I need to say, no, I am not the answer. I'm the problem. Jesus, you're the answer. I want to put you at the center, put you in the frame. You repent and you believe. What does it mean to believe? Well, we had it in our prayers earlier. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To believe in Jesus is to receive Jesus. To say to him, Jesus, I've made a mess, but thank you that you've come. Take me home to be with you so that I can call your father my father so that I can know your spirit as my spirit, so that I can walk with you through this life as the free person I was made to be. Is that something you want to do? In a second, I'm going to pray a prayer that just says, Jesus, I'm turning and I'm coming home. I want you at the center of all things. Why don't we, why don't we 
just bow our heads right now. And I'll, I'll lead us in a prayer that says that. And uh, the words I say are not magic. Um, you don't have to say them verbatim to Jesus. He understands. But these might be the sorts of things you might want to say to Jesus if you want to repent and believe, if you want to come home to this kind of love. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have loved me. Thank you that you have come into this world to share in my pit, my darkness. I'm sorry for thinking I'm the answer and you're the problem. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again to new life. I turn to you. I receive you. Please let me know that fatherly love that liberates. And walk with me through this life and into your eternity. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you've prayed a prayer like that, or if you felt, hmm, I was tempted, I need to think about some things a bit, a bit more. Um, actually, Christchurch are running this great course that I think it would be really appropriate if you've prayed this prayer already, or if you're contemplating making that kind of step. Um, this is a great place where you can just examine the claims of Jesus a little bit more. It starts in 10 days' time, 30th of June, three Wednesday evenings. You can carve out three Wednesday evenings, can't you? Why don't you bring along a friend, and we'll be looking together at John's Gospel, and you'll be figuring out who Jesus is and whether you might want to follow him or how it is that you can take those first few steps with him. So I'd really encourage you, if you're a visitor today, um, could you perhaps uh, pick out one of these uh, feedback forms and, and just say, look, I enjoyed coming today. If you did, uh, please get in touch with me. Please sign me up for Exploring Jesus. I've put my contact details below. Christianity is a team sport, uh, so try and get some others along with you so you can take these first few steps with Jesus. Thanks so much for listening.